Well, what a joy to see you guys. We're excited. You know, some of us might have already hit the wall. I had a little gap between dropping Jenny and Erica at the airport and, um, and then Sarah and Sandy and Krista and Vicky coming by to then take Vicky to the airport. And so I had about 45 minutes, which is probably, or maybe longer, probably two hours, an hour and a half, maybe an hour. And it was almost too long. Because it was kind of like I would hit the wall and Sarah was about to find me in the bed and door unlocked, you know, here's 1-800-DOMINOS, you know, I'll see you tomorrow morning. But, um, <laughs> but I feel great. Which she would not have called, by the way. Which she would not have yeah. called, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but, so, uh, I'm um, grateful and honored for you guys to be here. For, um, for those that don't know, we've been going through Psalm 119 and um, it has been a joy for me to, to teach through that and teach this um, Teach the Word of God out of Psalm 119. I love that. So for the past couple of Sundays, we've had, um, I, I always try and get people to walk away with an aim, a purpose, something to do, to take out of here. And um, two weeks ago, it was, um, what do you need, was kind of the topic of what it was. And, um, and I encouraged everybody to quote the um, four confessions of divine affection, which is, number one, God is perfect love. Number two, God, um, nothing can separate me from God's perfect love. Number three, um, God poured his perfect love into my imperfect, part, imperfect heart. And number four, accessed, I can love anyone through anything. Because we realize the greatest thing everybody needs is love, most personally as well as those that are around us. And um, we have the ability to love others. And, when, and um, we talked about some stories about that. Last week I talked about afflictions and um, how uh, we will be afflicted and we will have challenges that will come our way. And God... You know, just because we become a believer doesn't mean we don't have struggles and difficulties and afflictions that come in our way. And, and I said we need to come up with an affliction emergency kit. And so when afflictions come, some of the things that we need to have at our fingertips is um, I believe you need to have the Word of God on CD because sometimes you're just so overwhelmed. I mean, you can't even read. Just play the Word, and it will bring soothing and power to you. Um, need to have praise music available that you can crank up and turn on. Uh, number three, you have a journal. And those that were in my workshop yesterday and, and on, on Friday, there's something powerful about getting it out of the mind and down the arm and out through the fingertip and, and write it on. Even if you write it out and then you have to burn it because you don't want anybody else to see it or you have to use code words. And somebody says, what if I want to kill my husband? I think you probably should just say, you know, want WKH, want, kill, husband. And then, you know, <laughs> get it out and then give it to the Lord and then, you know, throw it away and do all that. And then, Yes, exactly. And then later, uh, and then the last thing was index cards, because I think it's, you know, those scriptures that really speak to us. We need to be able to have index cards available. We can jot those down and carry it with us and just have that, our, 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 our quiver full of arrows that we can pull out to aim and shoot at the enemy. And um, the ones that I talked about were Romans eight twenty eight, of course. Um, not, um, all all things. things work together for the good of those who are called... Um, by the Lord according to his purpose. All right. So the all good things work together. Uh, Psalm 84.11, which has become one of my most favorite verses. Psalm 84.11 says, He withholds no good thing from those who walk in righteousness or those who walk uprightly. And so if I'm missing something, whatever it might be, um, I think that I really need this. Husband, money, job, you know, furniture. I mean, whatever your, it is, if I don't have that, um, it's because it's not a good thing or I'm not walking in uprightness. I can fix one and the other one I've got to trust. And the third verse was, do you remember the third verse? First Corinthians was where it was and I don't remember what it was. Anyways, there's a third verse I used. So anyways, you need index cards that you can grab a hold of and, and be prepared. And, um, because when afflictions come, 
we can't be prepared. We can't then get prepared. Um, we need to be prepared before him for that. So, but this week, we're going to talk about since then. Now, who's ever heard of a since then statement? You know, but what about an if then? We've all heard of if then, all, if then all the time, because if this happens, so there's a probability that this might not happen, but if that happened, then this will happen. But this time, I don't have a since then, I don't have a if then statement. These statements I want to share with you guys are a since. Because these things have for sure happening are going to continue to happen. Because they're promises of God. And it really comes down to, um, my heart cry for this is for you guys to really believe God. Believe God. I mean, you know, somebody much smarter and, and more gifted than I am did a, an entire study on believing God. And the, our greatest, greatest, greatest sin in our, in our culture today, I believe, in our Christian culture today, is unbelief. Hey, Jennifer. It's unbelief. And so... Um, we have to believe God. You know, we believe, nobody, nobody hesitated when they sat down in their chair, did we? Nobody thought, I, w- I wonder if this chair is going to be here. No. Since I'm in a building, and it seems like the building's not falling down, and it seems like since this chair is um, stable, there's no torn or anything like that, and since I see other people sitting in these chairs, since, 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 then it's safe for me to sit down without any hesitation, not even think about it. But what we do, we don't know if God is really good. Is God really sovereign? Do we really believe him to, to do good things in our lives? And so then we, then we excuse out, well, he's not good enough or he's whatever. But he is. Do we believe him? And so I want to hit on this. So let's turn to Psalm 119. It's verses um, 57 through 64 is what we're going to talk about today. Um, when, I, when I first started this class, um, for those who haven't been around, when I first started this class, in January, we started on Titus 2, and we did Titus 2, verses 3 through 5, for five months. <laughs> and it took some work to get through there, so when I, God called me to do Psalm 119, and he had called me to do, because you know the Psalms are made up of each of the uh, Jewish alphabet letters, and so this is the letter H-E-T-H, is the letter that we're on right now, and it covers nine verses at a time. And I thought... How in the world am I going to cover nine verses? I couldn't cover two verses in a month. How am I going to cover nine verses in a day? But so far, I've done it. And so, um, so we're going to um, work through this again. So let me read to you Psalm 119, 57 through 64, and then we'll get into since God. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I faint on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am the companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Number one. Since, one, God is enough. Since God is enough. Verse 57 says, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. And we can use that in so many ways. (laughs) You know, we all know that what is the greatest challenge to weight loss? Portion control. It doesn't, it's not the food itself that's the problem. It's the portion that we have in it. And so that's definitely, we're fully aware of that if, If you're female and you're over 20, you understand that. But I think about often a a mother who's got little kids, who's had little kids or has little kids right now or grandkids, and you pour out a portion for him or for her. 
And you don't give them more of the things that they love. You don't give them 27 tater tots and two green beans. You know, you might give them enough green beans for their age, but they're not going to get more tater tots because that's what they're going to do. You're going to give them a portion that's reasonable, that's healthy, that's appropriate for them. Why? Because you care for that grandkid. It's the best thing for that grandkid. And the grandkid might kick and scream, or that child might kick and scream, right? I mean, how many of you have said, oh, I'm more than happy to eat my seven green beans and my two tater tots? I mean, no. I mean, they're going to push against that and buck against that. But you don't give in, you know, except Mimi sometimes will give in. But <laughs> you don't give in because you know what is the very best thing for you, for that child. And God in the same way as our portion. It's interesting that portion, and that the word portion in there in verse 57, it literally means a share, an allotment, a plot of ground. And it comes from the Hebrew word meaning to divide, a portion, a sign, disperse, distribute. God is our portion. He is enough. And he provides for us in just the same way. And what he's provided as your allotment, what he has cut out as your portion, is good for you. It's right for you. And we sometimes have times that come in our life that it seems like our portion is not right. It's disproportionate, right? Too much stress, not enough stress. Too much money, not enough money. Too much spouse, not enough spouse. I mean, whatever the blank might be filling in, some discontentment might come up around because somebody else's portion is different than my portion. No. God has allotted out to us his portion and his, that was very, very best for us. And it's an inheritance. It's a pot of land. It's ours to take. And I believe then you can pull on the prayer of Jabez as the Lord calls us to, we manage that portion well, we're going to get a bigger portion. Manage that portion well, we get a bigger portion. I'm blessed to be um, associated or know people that are... Uh, um, involved in speaking organizations and trainings and things like that. And, and, um, and I remember this one teaching I went to that they said, um, you know, they're like, they're ready to have this nationwide ministry. You know, people that come for the teachings, they want to have a nationwide ministry. You know, they're ready to, you know, and, and the t an instructor said, well, where are you teaching in your home church right now? Well, no, I'm not really teaching in my home church. Well, what, do you have like a neighborhood Bible study that you're kind of working on? Well, you know, I don't have a neighborhood Bible study. But they want to launch a nationwide ministry. And it's kind of like just work with the portion you've been given right now. Work with what's been given to you. Be responsible in that area that you've been given, and that's the portion. Because God is our portion, and he, he, will, he is more than enough. He's more than enough. Okay, number two. Since we know that God is enough, we also can know that God's favor is with us. God's favor is with me. Verse 58 says, I entreat your favor with all my heart. When people ask me, how can I pray for you? Um, my two prayer requests always off the top of my mind. And I got this actually from Vonette Bright. And Vonette Bright is Bill Bright's wife, and, um, who was the founder of Campus Crusade. And Miss Vonette says, um, pray for favor. You can always pray for me to have the favor of the Lord. And number two, you can um, pray for me to finish well. Finish well. Oh, just read at the end of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, about one of the kings that he didn't finish well. He started strong, heavy heart on it. He didn't finish well, and we're going to talk about starting in a little bit. But he didn't finish well. I, but I want favor. I want favor. And I really, not until I just really studied this, did I realize really more about what favor is. Because I always think a favor, I want God's favor. So kind of like when I can go to the Lord and say, you know, will you please give me a favor? Can you, will you please do a favor for me? It's kind of my thought of what favor is. And I think that's okay. Um, I don't think I'm, you know, theologically wrong or in trouble about that or, you know, because he gives me favor. You know, you get the front row parking spot and that's parking lot favor. You know, I mean, I f it's favor, favor of the Lord. Um, 
I, did I tell you about the going? I, I might have told some of you, but mostly I didn't tell. Going to the movie theater and having Diet Coke favor. So I go to the movie. <laughs> Vicky, I did tell this, didn't I? Okay, so I go to the movies, and um, uh, I mean, long story short, we go to the popcorn. You can get free refills on popcorns, and there was we get in line, and there's. It was a girlfriend's weekend, and we'd gone to see Eclipse, which is a whole, our Breaking Dawn, whatever the latest Twilight series is. We all go, and there's seven of us. We buy one huge, large tub of popcorn. She can refill. That we can refill, because <laughs> we can't. And, and then I even said to the guy, I said, do you have, like, little containers that we can, like, you know, because there's, like, eight of us, and he gives us these little box containers and, you know, fills up. And we go back, of course. I mean, it took one shot, and we, you know, all the popcorn was gone, distributed. So we went and filled that bag back up. And so then I drank all my Diet Coke, and so I go back to the guy, and I said, can I get refills on Diet Cokes? Well, no, you're really not supposed to. I said, oh, is there like a discount if I get refills? And he said, give me your Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, favor. That was Diet Coke favor, you know? And it was between him and his God and him as boss if I, you know, it was Diet Coke favor. I didn't make him do it. But what it means to have God's favor, because actually when I looked it up in the concordance, I thought, well, this is wrong, because the first... Reference, the first cross-reference it gave me, it said, God's face. And the favor of the Lord is having the face of God turn to you or having his presence with you. And I thought, whoa, I want the face of God to be turned to me at all times and his presence among me. So when we cry out for favorites because God's face has turned to us and his presence is with us. Because what do we say so often? Well, I could just be more, I could be a better Christian if I just, Jesus just walked around in his skin with right next to me just like he did with the disciples. But he does. He's just not in skin form. I won't favor the Lord. His presence is with us, and we can respond well. And his favor is with us. It is as a given. Absolutely 100%. His favor is with us. Vicki? I have a, something just came to my mind that is such a great illustration of that. The woman who crawled through the crowd to just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Amen. She expected to just anonymity. That's all she expected. But instead, he turned to her, looked at her, turned his face toward her, and she received Amen. favor. Amen. Amen. That's all we got to do. His favor is a fully available for us. All we got to do, I want, your, I want your face to be upon me. And I think we don't really appreciate the awesomeness of our God. I have a family, Michelle and Clark Reynolds, friends, and um, they are not allowed to use the word awesome unless it applies to something God does. You know, Lance Berkman, but that really doesn't count anymore because he got traded to the Yankees. But Lance Berkman, <laughs> just yesterday, I mean, like, I'm all over Twitter. What's going on? I missed this. But anyways, Lance Berkman's, but anyways, so some baseball player hits a home run. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. No, I mean, that's good, and that's really exciting, and it's fun, but that's not awesome. I mean, like, throwing the stars in heaven is awesome. You know, being touched by the master and being healed, that's awesome. You know, being able to keep your mouth shut when you, everything in you, you want to blast somebody. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think so often we don't, we don't seek the favor. We don't seek the face of God. We don't seek the presence of God. Because we don't think really, can it really make that much difference? I'm just being honest. I know I've done that. You know, I just don't think, was he really as awesome as he is? And he really is awesome. He's great. He's profound. And that he extends his love to us. He extends his face to us. That he would even look upon us. Extend the scepter from Esther. What a blessing. How profound. So that is true. God is enough. And since God's favor was with me, and the third thing, God loves me. The very last verse in this section, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. 
It is full of their steadfast. If God loved me, he wouldn't send me to hell. It's full. He sent his son. It's full of your love. All you got to do is receive it. It's your choice. It's full of your love. I mean, I think the, I mean, I, I'm it's hearing in again, the four confessions of divine affection, really understanding. Actually, let's turn over to Romans 5, if you want to. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For why we were still weak at the right time, uh, the NIV and the King James Version says, in the fullness of time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'll back up to five. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse six. For while we were still weak, at the right time, in the fullness of time, at just the exact necessary moment, God died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love, his agapeo love, his unconditional, his best interest love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love is demonstrated to us and is fully available through Christ's death on the cross because he died for the sinners, of chief of which I am. Sinners, he died. And in that process, poured his love into my heart. And so, therefore, who am I to not take that steadfast love that fills the world and extend it to those that are around us? And, I, I mean, this is just as convicting for me. I do not love well. I do not love others like I should. I don't. I want to. I desire to. God is gracious, and he will continue to guide me and show me the path that it is and teach me how to do this. But those four confessions of divine affection, I still have them over my microwave. They still are in my car dashboard. I need to read those regularly. God is perfect love. Um, nothing can separate me from God's perfect love. God pours his perfect love into my imperfect heart. Accessed. And that is the key. Those first three are true. And my part is just simply access. God's perfect love. And I can love anyone through anything. Because his love is out there and it's available for us. And if he did that greatness for us, who are we to not love? in such profound and great ways. And love in service, love in time, love in acts, love in gifts. We need to love those that are around us um, in amazing and profound ways and not just be about us so much. So, since, since God is enough, favor, God's favor is with me and God loves me. Those are facts written in stone. You can believe them as much as you can believe gravity. Those are true. Since that is happening, since that is truth, then we can do these other things. Number one, we can quickly obey. I will quickly obey. 59 and 60. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and I do not delay to keep your commandments. You know, I think this is true in most cases. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And the consequences are just going to be painful. Because we are going to do it. <laughs> whatever it is. Whatever God calls us to do. We are going to do it. You know, when I used to work at Lifehouse of Houston... Um, where one of the things we would teach the girls is how to follow instructions. And it's a very simple formula. Um, make eye contact. You, see, you say okay, and you do the task immediately. And this is how it would work. Carol, please set the table. Carol would say, okay. Immediately go and do the table. Any other response is inappropriate and lifehouse. And there will be consequences that she's chosen to receive because she fully understands that it was immediate obedience. In the same, no, I mean... No excuses. 
That's just how it is. And in the same way when the Lord speaks to us, and he says, I want you to go speak to that person. I want you to go, and we suffer the consequences, whatever that might be, by my own choices, if I choose not to obey. Very um, small example of this, but profound. I was just a young believer, maybe a year into the faith. Was at a, um, at a um, much more demonstrative church than I had been used to. And um, I'm over that now, as you girls, so most of y'all saw this weekend, but um, a very demonstrative church. And I was with my friend, and Pastor uh, called for people to go to the altar to receive prayer. And then he called for people in the congregation to go and pray over them. And, um, and so my friend stepped out of the aisle to go receive prayer. She stepped out of the aisle. Pastor said, um, you know, anybody that would like to pray, you know, please come and pray for these brothers and sisters in Christ. Immediately, the Spirit said to me, go pray for them. Go pray for her. And I immediately started arguing. I mean, who am I? I don't go to this church. How does this work? Who am I? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I didn't even get the first, you know, syllable of my argument out. The person directly behind me steps out of the aisle, walks up front, and goes and prays for my friend. And I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me so fast in that statement. He said, my work will be accomplished. (laughs) I'm going to get it done. I would like you to participate with me in this. And you receive great and amazing blessings. I didn't have any consequences in that, but have I learned a lesson? I learned a lesson. Now, have I been quick to obey always? No. I still haven't been quick to obey. But it's still important. And I think it's really important, and this kind of goes back to what we heard about um, when Jenny shared that story about being ready. You know, we're ready to meet the master. Are we prepared? Are we, I mean, when he knocks on the door and we're going to be dressed and ready and know that, hey, we've done what we needed to do. We're going to be ready for him. And it's going to be in a split second. You know, as um, I was trying to figure out how do we illustrate this and what is a, a good way to picture about being quick on the blocks, I thought about swimmers and how, I mean, they have to be quick on the box because you will win or lose a race on how you get off the starting blocks, whether it's a, whether you're a track whether it's a track situation or whether it's a, um, swimming, especially in those sprints, man, you got to get off the blocks. And, I mean, one-tenth of a second, you know, two-tenths of a second can be lost getting off those blocks. And I think in our Christian walk, even though it's a marathon, we're not on a sprint, but I think it's a whole lot of sprints. You know, there's little skirmishes we have all the time. It's a whole lot of sprints all put together. And, he, and when he gives it to us, he wants us to immediately obey, and we get at the work and get down the path, and we need to be quick respond and say, okay, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. We read the scripture, we're convicted by the scripture, we do the scripture. I mean, that's it. There's no hesitation. There's no, why? Because, why? Because he is enough and his portion that he has assigned to me is right. Because he loves us and he cares about us. Love is great and mighty. He died for me. How much more can we know of his love for me? And that um, his favor is with me. And I will be able to do it. Lots of times, what are the excuses we sometimes give for not doing God's commands? What do we do? I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm not not good enough. What? Not my thing. It's not my thing. Fear. Fear. I want to do it my way. Come on. That's it. I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it your way. My way is better than your way. And what does he do about that? Well, just go on with your bad self on your way. (laughs) How's it working for you? One day, one week, one month later. How's that working for you? I I think I'll try your way now. What do you say? (laughs) All those things, we can overcome them when we understand that God's favor is with us. His presence is upon us. I, there's not any, with, 
you know, if the Lord is, uh, is on my side, someone, I don't know, 20-something, somewhere along there, the Lord is on my side, well, who am I to be afraid of? What do I have to fear? What, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? I mean, we have the almighty God who loves us and cares about us and is engaged in our life, intimate details of our life he cares about. He cares about. How, what more do we need? What more do we need? So let's obey. Be quick to obey. I thank on your ways. I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten. I do not delay. How much more do we love our kids when we say, we give them a command and they go and do it? Or a staff person if you're managing folks. Or grandkids when they go on it. Man, done. We love them at that Secondly, if, since all those things are true with us, then we can praise him in the midnight hour. Praise him in the midnight hour. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I mean, who's had some midnight hours? You know? We all, some of us are going through midnight hours. We have those midnight hours. I remember it was a midnight hour for me, but it was about 2 in the afternoon, and I was heading on a plane. It was 1996. And I was heading on a plane to go to Russia and knew I was called to go to Russia. And um, this was back when you could actually, like, go to the gate and send people off. You know, you weren't at the security, you know, and so you could, this was, you know, pre-9-11. And, um, and I had my, my mom was there and her good friend and uh, my Aunt Scotty and then I, I'm sure Andre and Bodie were there and they didn't have any boys at that point. had just been married. Um, Deborah Galloway was there and Jan Hamilton, some other good friends, and, and were sending me off. And I had, I had to get up off that seat and I had to go and get on the plane. And I had been fine all along because I didn't have to get on the plane yet, you know, kind of thing. I didn't, you know, but now it had hit me. And I got pretty close to freaking out. Because I'm, you know, I'm going to the other side of the world, I don't know the language, this is pre-Skype. You know, can you imagine, you know, like in 1900 getting on a boat and going to Africa? I mean, you know, pre-Skype, pre-email, I did have, you know, some internet, but it was like $12 an hour to have internet connectivity. I mean, it's just crazy. And I, I mean, I just, I mean, like, I can't do this. I mean, I was about like that. And I, I, but I grabbed the, I said, I need my Bible and rooted it out of my backpack. And I turned to Psalm 42, and I don't even know why I really did that. Psalm 42 says, and I started reading. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When, I can, when shall I come and appear before God? I mean, immediately, God's peace flooded over me. I mean, I didn't really get really halfway through the first verse. And I didn't read it out loud. And, you know, I just, I just started reading. His peace flooded over me, picked up my backpack, hugged my friends, and I got on the plane. And I went because it was a midnight hour for me. That was, my, that was one of my midnight hours. And I could do it um, because I know that God, I know these things are true because I know God loves me and I know he's enough and I know that his favor was at me. I probably didn't know all that as well. I was so young in the faith. That's a whole other story, but I'd only been a believer about three years, four years at that point. And um, I, those things are true. And when we can praise him in the midnight hour, because we can praise him for that. You know, the story, many of us have heard it. All of us hopefully know the story of um, of Silas and Paul in the prison. In 16, uh, Acts 16, 25 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to him. You know, 
of course, lots of speculation about why in the world could he be in prison and, you know, why are they up? You know, because normally Paul seems to be able to sleep without any problem in prison, you know, shackled. So why was he up? And I think what it says earlier in here, er, the chapter starts with him, them seeing a vision. And they went to Macedonia because they had seen a man who needed salvation. And so that's why they packed up. And then they encountered, I think it was Lydia first is who they encountered. And then they got in trouble because they delivered, they, they um, cast out the demon of the, of the woman who was prophesying the future. So they had seen a woman, Lydia. They had delivered a woman who was filled with the demon. But they hadn't seen a man yet. You know, there's no encounter with the man. And some people will say they saw the jailer. And they knew he was the one. They had come to Macedonia for, and they were in the prison praising him because they knew God had a bigger plan. God had a great plan for them. And so when we're in those midnight hours, we have to praise him. We have to praise him for all those things that we know to be true, that we know to be true, and that we know the midnight hour is just for a season. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. I mean, there have been many times in my life where I said, you know, how you doing? Well, Jesus is coming one day. The midnight hour will pass. It might be when Jesus comes. But, you know, most of us, if we hang around long enough, it's going to pass. It will pass. And the midnight hour will be done. And it will be 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. And all of a sudden, before we know it, the dawn has come. And we see his face. And we see his light. So we can quickly obey him. We can praise him in the midnight hour. Verse 61. We can avoid sin. We can avoid sin. Verse 61 says, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. I do not forget your law. It's little thing. I think it, Linda, it was actually, I, I didn't even know you'd be here, Linda, but this is what my, I could not pick up the potato. Um, this is just a little thing. Actually, we all know that this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we probably could quote it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has been given to us. Has, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Which, that's a whole lesson in itself. I mean, we want to think, well, this is unique with me, God. You know, this temptation is unique with me, and surely nobody has gone through this temptation before. Nope, it's pretty much common. You know, it's common. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Just a side note, people will often say, oh, God's not going to give you more than, than you can handle, which is not true. It's not true. He always gives us more than we can handle except in the area of temptation. Always gives us more than we can handle because he wants us to turn. If we can handle it, then we don't need a God. He always gives us more than we can handle. Always. Except in the area of temptation. It's not beyond what we can have. Why? Because he, with every temptation, he'll always provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Always provides a way of escape. You guys know one of my biggest issues is food. I eat too much. You know? I'm better about not eating the bad thing, but I eat too much. Okay, so whatever those Friday night spinach top chicken, favorite in the world, love it. Go get it, freeze it. I love that spinach top chicken. And then I love the little potatoes. So I ate all my potatoes, and then so I went and stabbed one of Linda's potatoes, and I stabbed it about seven times. I couldn't get my fork through that stinking potato. You know what? I picked it up with my fingers. <laughs> he had made a way of escape. The potato, the fork, went and worked. But I didn't take advantage of it, and then I ate the rest of Jan's. I mean, I mean, if I'm going, you know, 
But it provide. I mean, that is it such was, a and little thing. Hard is why you couldn't stab. I know. Well, I, mine were not I hard. I wanted to pick mine up too. I was able to stab some of mine, so I was able. I, was, I didn't have any problem stabbing mine. <laughs> there, you, I did have doubled. I doubled up on veggies, but um, but I mean that's just a little thing, guys. Yeah. I mean it is. It is so. It, it, in some ways, it's little, but God provides those way of escape for us, and what, sometimes we just bust through them, you know. He's blocked our way. No. <laughs> we can't avoid sin. His favor is with us. I mean, just, I mean, we, I don't do this enough, but I just could get it in my mind that his face is turned to me, that his presence is with me. And I don't want to do rude, crude, inappropriate, ungodly, unrighteous, immoral things. And so we think, well, I don't do my pornography, so I don't do those things. Well, you know, gossiping in line, getting angry in traffic. I mean, those are all things that are, they still cost just as much blood as pornography. Just as much blood. And it, with that being the case, we need to be mindful about. Finally, and this is probably one of my most favorite things. Not only can we avoid sin, but lastly, I will have wise friends. I will have wise friends. Verse 63 says, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. Do not be deceived. Sarah, you know the rest of it? Bad company corrupts good morals. We will be influenced by those that we hang around us. And if we hang around those who are unwise, unrighteous, they will impact us. Do not be deceived. Bad morals, I mean, bad manners will corrupt good morals. How they act, how they behave. I mean, they might have been right. It might be Eddie Haskell over here, you know, but their manners, you know, are going to impact my good morals and my good intentions. I mean, that's a great verse for your kids. Stencil that, put it underneath every doorway at home, send them off. Just remember, bad manners will corrupt good morals. They're doing something bad, stop it. You know, unless you rebuke that person, they will always drag you down. Yeah. You'll never pull them up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you never will. <laughs> and who's going to want to rebuke their friend? Yeah. You know, so. A good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, this was told in a BSF teaching for me years ago. I think it was. I think it's where I learned it. I think it was Ramona Bishop that taught it to me. Um, everybody in your life is either a plus, a zero, or a minus. And um, either they're adding to, to your walk with the Lord, they're doing nothing in your walk from the Lord, or they're dragging you down from your walk with the Lord. That doesn't mean they themselves are negative. I mean, they're not minuses. Don't get that wrong. Um, it's not like if you hang around the lost and that's a minus and you need to have a lost in your life. That's not what it is. Just Because really, if you hang around the lost, it can really be a plus in your walk, a walk of righteousness to really share Christ with them and be challenged, like Vicki shared with the lady on the plane. I mean, ha that's a real plus in your life. And so they're either pluses, they're going to draw you closer to Christ. They're zeros where they're just nothing in your life, or they're negatives, and they're sucking you dry, and they're pulling you down. They're really pulling you down. And, um, and this is hard, and people struggle with this. It's like, well, I mean, I, I, you know, I think we should be prejudiced. And I am going to choose... Because when, you when you're prejudiced over someone, you're going to choose something over another because of characteristics, because of trait, because of whatever. And I don't think you should do it because of, you know, skin color, money, job, 
denomination. That's not it. You know, but I'm going to be prejudiced. Are they walking in righteousness and truth with the Lord? And are they wise in their ways? And if they're not, you know, and God's not calling me for a witness situation, you know what? Those can't be my friends. They can't be. And that's not who I can have intimate fellowship and deep relationship with. And really my challenge for you guys is I was trying to think of what could we do practically to figure out do you believe God and how to walk that out in your day-to-day life is um, I'd really encourage you to take time this week. Look at your, look in your Outlook contact list. Look in your phone. Who's your recent calls that you've made? Make a list of those friends in your life and look at them and say, are, are they minuses? Are they zeros? Are they pluses? And see how you're doing. And do you have a whole lot more pluses that are pulling you up? You know, encouraging you to walk in faith? Are they minuses? Are you the most righteous person in your circle of influence? Let me encourage you. You need to broaden your circle of influence. And that might be some hard things. My good friend, Melinda Scurlock, who I've talked about, she came to Christ, her and her husband turned to Christ in college. And, um, I mean, this was in the 70s, and who they hung out in college... They had to start not hanging around with them, or at least not at night. I mean, this was 30 years ago. They had to turn. Now, some of those friends are still friends, but they're not righteous, and they're not going to ask them for counsel. So that's, you know, but you might have to turn away and and say, and this is where it comes into God is your enough. Because for some of us, that might mean that really most of our friends, I need to quit hanging around. You know? And that doesn't mean you just call them and say, okay, you're not righteous, and you really are sucking me dry, and so I can't go to lunch with you this week. You know, my parents accepted Christ when I was six, and my mother used to say we didn't have to drop our old friends; they dropped they, us like a hot potato. <laughs> you know, once yeah. the, if you're living a righteous life, you're going to tell them what happened to right. you. Exactly, exactly. And so, in that process, go through it and say, and then start seeking counsel from the Lord. Lord, how do I do this? Because some of them might be unhealthy relationships that I need to figure out how to break. There's some entanglements here that I need to figure out how to break. Because God, you are enough. And if it means I'm lonely, for the, or alone, not lonely, alone for the rest of my life, you still are enough because your face is turned to me and because you love me. And we have to get to that point. I had to get to that point. It took a trip to Houston. It's, I still think it's a trip. I haven't really moved here yet. <laughs> still just think it's a really long trip. <laughs> Atlanta. And so, you know, it's home. home. And so, you know, it took a trip to Houston for me to figure out that he is enough. He is my portion. The allotment he's given to me is good. His face is turned to me and he cares for me. And it's, I would rather be alone than to mar the name of Christ, to pull down the name of Christ and to be associated with the name of Christ. I mean, anybody that's not going to lift up the name of Christ. So I challenge you this week, make a list, look at and say, okay, are they pluses? Are they minuses? Are they zeros? They're doing nothing for me. And figure out, Lord, what's the appropriate balance that I need to do and how do I move to separate from there? And then we can really believe God for who he is. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for these ladies. I bless their name. I bless them in your name, Father. And I ask that you would continue to make yourself known to them, that you would um, reveal yourself in a unique and amazing way. Lord, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that um, the words that I spoke that were edifying and glorifying and what you wanted me to say, Father, that they, you would bring them back to their mind this week. Lord, as they travel home or as they're laying down to take a nap this afternoon or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, later on, Lord, that you'd bring back the words that would bless you, that would encourage them. 
and that would um, make a difference, Father, for us to believe you more, to trust you more, to know without a shadow of a doubt, with no hesitation, you are enough. You are my full portion, and that your face is upon me, and that your love is available for me. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.